GM, my DJs. How we doing today? We got the sunglasses on, the Soylana sunglasses on. Let me do my ads. There's no fucking ads because there's no sponsorship. So if you want to sponsor this, Soylana, Soylana, then you hit me up in the DMs and I'll let you sponsor this goddamn high quality podcast. So anyway, welcome to the show. Today we are ranting and raving with Gabrielle Haynes. What is the first topic? Well, let me tell you the first topic. The first topic is that I opened a DGen long on ETH because I am a goddamn degenerate. I have no morals. I have no conscience. And if I want to lose money gambling on internet money, then I will do so. And no one in the entire world can stop me from doing so because I believe in trustlessness, decentralization, censorship resistance, baby. And that's why I opened up a DJ long on GMX. GMX. First time I use GMX, it's not a shill. I'm not holding any GMX tokens right now. I could be. I could be. People on crypto Twitter shill that shit all the time. GMX. But let me tell you something about GMX. The ability with no KYC to get that type of leverage is magical. It's fucking magical. You just send in your tokens to Arbitrum. You open up your long. You can go up to 30x long. And boom! You can trade. Most likely you're going to lose because that's what happens when you're leverage trading like a goddamn degen. But that is okay because I'm not in the business of telling people what to do. I'm in the business of allowing people to make their own goddamn decisions. I don't want the government to tell me what I can and can't do with my finances. However, I do want the government to tell me when and can when and when I cannot abort a baby. Tell me that I am not allowed to cut the child out of my womb. I think that is completely appropriate. No baby killing, okay? Is that so much to ask? Is that so much to ask? Who's the guy? Who's the guy that's saying, yeah, let's kill those babies? Yeah! Let's abort those goddamn babies, bitch! Let's do it! Yeah! Let me do it! Let me do a line in the fork! No, just kidding. No, no law. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do with the KYC. Don't tell me what to do with the abortion. Don't tell me what to do about my drug use. Okay? If I want to shoot up 
heroin on the goddamn sidewalk. It is my God-given right to do so, and don't you dare stop me! Don't you dare! Don't come near me with your goddamn brutality! I don't want to hear it! I don't want to fucking hear it! Let the people get high in peace! That's what I'm about. That is what I'm about. Anarchy, baby! Let the fucking gangsters rule the streets! No laws, just racketeering! Just protection! Oh, I heard your business is gonna get stolen from tomorrow. I hear they're gonna come in and ransack your nail salon. Well, how do you know that? Because we're gonna do it if you don't pay me, bitch! That's what happens. That's what happens with, that's called racketeering, if you aren't familiar. It's the threat of protection. The threat of protection, meaning they'll fuck you up if you don't pay. And I think that's the system we should all adopt. If you don't pay, you get liquidated. Easy. It code is law. There's nothing to debate here. We need less government supervision, more individual freedoms. Individual freedoms. Because man, it is your God-given right to do the things that you need to do. And you know what I really believe? I believe that every person knows way better than some government bureaucrat what is best for them. Absolutely. They know what's best for their family. They know how to provide. And yes, there are some gambling addicts out there who take their paycheck and put it right into the slot machine. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Regulate it? Regulate it? People are going to do shit whether you regulate or not. That is just the way people are. I'm sorry. It is very hard. It is very, very hard to stop people from doing what they want to do. Laws oftentimes it's only in post. It's only in post. They do the thing then they get punished. It's not preemptive. The thing is going to happen. I'm not saying we should get rid of the laws but we should acknowledge the fact that when a market, the market forces are incredibly powerful. Market forces are what drive the world, drive the economy. Demand, supply, these things make the world go round. And it is very important for us, I believe, to lean into those market forces. And the market, it's not always pretty. It's not always pretty. You know what the old saying is? The oldest profession in the world? Hookers! Prostitutes! But there is demand for that shit. And people are going to do it. So what are you going to do? Chop their dicks off? No. You're not going to chop their dicks off. You're going to let them sleep with the war. You sleep with the war. 
Now, is that is that is that is that great? Is that is that a good thing? Is that a polite thing? No, no. It's 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 sad. It's sad. You know, I'm sure there's some people that love being hookers. I'm sure there's people that 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 like it. But I'm sure that most people that are doing that kind of stuff, they don't like it. They're just doing it for money. They're just doing it to pay their rent because that's the only way that they can make a decent living. And that's their choice. And that is their choice. And that is okay. I think that is okay. What I don't want is for the goddamn bureaucrats like Joe Biden to look at your goddamn balance sheet and say, hey, looks like you didn't earn a lot of income. Let me hand you some Biden bucks and make you whole for another couple months, another couple years, another couple decades. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I don't like that. Now, I understand. I understand. I'm empathetic when people say that food stamps, for example, someone's very poor, they take the food stamps. It's not a great situation. They get the food stamps. They go to the store. They get the food they need to get. They eat. On its surface, it seems like it's the compassionate thing to do. And maybe to a point it is. But there is a point where people take the money and don't do shit. And are not incentivized to do shit. Again, this may, may make me sound like a horrible person. But giving cash handouts to people over a long period of time. It does not work if you want them to go back to work. It just won't happen. It just won't fucking happen. But here's the deal. There's a difference in my eyes between a UBI, the universal basic income, and welfare checks. Why? Why? Because the welfare checks are dependent on how much income you're making. And the UBI is universal. So it doesn't matter if you're working or not, you're gonna get that check. So the difference here is key. The difference is key because if you're a slob, fat slob, and you don't wanna work, and you're getting your welfare check, you are not ever gonna go back to work because as long as you keep getting that welfare, and you're below your monthly minimum income, you're going to stay cruising in that lane. Because if you get up and work, you're going to lose that monthly income. And by the way, you may make less by going out to work because this is called the welfare gap. Because at a certain point, going and getting a job may not pay you as much as you're getting on the welfare. So you're not incentivized to go to McDonald's and flip burgers for $15 an hour. <laughs> that is the welfare gap. Again, many, many people are in a situation where they're not able 
And I understand the position of wanting to help these people out while they are in need. But, but, oftentimes this drags out far longer than what they're needed and it becomes just a habit. It becomes something that they live and rely on. Now the difference with the UBI is the UBI it does not take into account your income. And every person will receive the check no matter what. If they make a million dollars or if they make ten dollars, it doesn't matter. So this incentive structure you can be a fat fob and you can't work and you'll get your payment but you can also get a job and it'll make no difference to your monthly payment and that is a big difference in the structuring of these two wealth distribution mechanisms do I know if UBI will work no I have no fucking idea but it seems good. See, get me that check, baby. Get me, uh, get me that Biden bucks. Give me those Biden bucks. Nah. But I do think that overall, a UBI would probably just, probably it would just be detrimental because the government would just inflate the currency anyway in order to make those UBI payments. So at the end of the day, it wouldn't really benefit the people in any way. Because if they're getting their monthly payments, but their bank account continuously gets inflated away by 5 to 10% annually, then who the fuck cares if you're getting a few hundred bucks in the mail? Inflation is one of the goddamn biggest scams in the history, especially the way they're handling it. Not with a fixed inflation. Oh, no, no, no. It's up to the whims of some old fogies in the fucking Fed. They look at the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and they're saying, Oh, we print or we don't print. These people don't know what they're doing. They literally, uh, they don't know what they're doing. I mean, how can you know? How can you know? The economy is such a large, such a vast, complex, intricate movement of machinery and individual and capital and all these different goods and commodities all moving in these unparalleled, in these lines, in these ways that are very hard to understand. Very, very sophisticated ways. It is very hard for a people or a group of people to be able to plan these things out and to predict, oh, this is this, this is that, this is this. This is why I'm very, very bearish on the concept of government. I do think government is important, but let us tamp that Shit down! Tamp it down, baby! Let's dial it back on Big Brother, you know what I'm saying? Turn down the knob from an 11 to a 3. 
You got to have the government. You got to have the rule of law. You got to be able to trust that there is some intrinsic value to the laws of the land. That is a very important role that the government must play. Because without it, it's going to be anarchy. And I said I was an anarchist. I'm not really an anarchist. I would, I would prefer more anarchy than where we are at now. But I don't want to live in fucking Mad Max. No, I'm not, I'm not built for that type of shit. I'm not built to fight off fucking gremlins on a regular basis. That ain't going to happen for me. I like, you know, some level of comfort, some level of ease, okay? I'm not a fucking crazy person. But there is some level of anarchy that I think would be beneficial. Because being open to the market is such an important thing. It's such an important thing for the individual and for countries and for groups of people. On the individual level, on the individual level, being open to the market allows you to adapt and to perform better because if you are a creative person if you're an entrepreneur an artist whatever it is you need to be able to listen you need to be able to get feedback because without the feedback you will be running around in circles like a goddamn hamster and I'll give you an example from my life where you, where I made lots of videos, I made tons of content, but looking at which content is performing the best and the style and the times and all this type of shit is being open to the market because the people are going to be telling me, Gabrielle, we like when you do this and we don't like when you do this. People like when I'm yelling, God damn it! That is based on the market! You can go see every single video. Not every single video. But videos where I'm yelling will perform way better than a video where I'm singing a lullaby or singing. Singing period. I will, do, I will continue to do both. I do continue to do both. If you are a close follower of my Twitter content, you'll know that I will do songs, I will do yells, I will do all sorts of shit. But just based on the feedback that I'm getting, the yells perform better. That's just, that's the market speaking to me. And being open and being able to listen to that feedback is extremely important. Because listening to that feedback is, will bring you to places that you did not know you needed to go. That feedback is so critical. Listening, really, really listening and tuning in can really make a massive difference 
If you're building a business, of course, you need customer feedback. If you're making content, you need to check those likes, baby. What is what is getting liked, baby? What is getting liked? If you're a comedian, you need that feedback. You need to get laughs. You go on stage, you need to get laughs. If you're not getting laughs, your shit is not funny, bro. That's just how it is. And you won't know if it's not funny unless you get up there and speak it. Speak it. Sometimes I wish somehow I could get that really live feedback. The only live feedback I get is just from the likes and the comments, which are okay. But I mean, I do feel a bit at the whim of the algo. You never know what the algo will like or not like, but it's the best that I can do. And that comes from listening to the market. I, I would like personally, I would like to improve my market listening because the market tells you things. It whispers sweet nothings into your ear. And if you're listening close, you can find some amazing hidden gems, some secrets that are just hidden in plain sight. Whether that, again, for a business, for a joke, for anything, anything really listening and finding those patterns it makes such a massive difference if you're writing writing a lot of times writing or or when you think of a funny situation it's usually because you're in the situation that happens to me a lot where i'm in a situation and i'm thinking to myself man this is so funny and a lot of people think that you need to come up with funny ideas but actually a lot of the time you just need to observe what is going observe what is going on around you listen to the way that people are speaking and by listening you can find there some magic and that's on the individual level on a greater level listening to the econ listen to the market as a nation will bring you a lot of wealth, growth in GDP. Because again, some people, a lot of people are un made uncomfortable by the market because we have certain sensibilities. We have certain sensibilities and we have things that we think are okay and not okay. And in polite society, we always say, oh, that's okay, that's not okay, especially woke. The wokeness will take this to a whole extreme where you got to be extra, 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 baby, polite. And politeness, a lot of the times, it's a form of censorship, a self-censorship, where you don't want to say a certain thing or behave a certain way because you might be shunned by your community and to a certain extent that is okay because that is how we develop society that is how we work cohesively that is how we live together that is how we know if someone is a freak or not by social signaling but but if you're able to get over your own goddamn bullshit and lean lean into the market 
I bet that you could find some wonderful, wonderful things and opportunities as a nation. And, you know, marijuana, marijuana being one of them. You know, marijuana for a long time, illegal. But people are still buying it. People still using that shit. Boom, they make marijuana legal in some countries. Massive tax, massive growth, massive amounts of revenue coming in. That is an example of leaning into the market. Lean in. Smoke that. Smoke that marijuana. And fighting the market over the long term, it just never works out. It never works out. Reagan had his whole war on drugs. And you know what? The drugs fucking won the war, man. You can't beat them. You can't beat the drugs, man. They don't care. They'll just Cocaine doesn't care, man. It'll just be sniffed up. As far as long as you let them be sniffed, they'll they'll it'll get sniffed. You can't fight that shit, man. You can't fight it. It's like fighting an invisible enemy. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't be Do Quan. Do Do Quan burnt millions trying to keep up that UST peg. Literally millions and millions of dollars fighting the market. The market was going down. He was fighting, baby. Now, should he have fought? Should he not have fought? He probably needs to because of the situation he's in. But regardless, you, you get fucked. And the mark is going to fuck you. No matter what, it is too powerful. It is like a wave. Bashing and bashing and bashing. Relentless. It has no thoughts. It has no feelings. It just moves the way that people want to move. And trying to control the market, I don't think it works very well. We've seen socialism. We've seen economy. We've seen central planning. And at the end of the day, central planning, it does not, it's not very efficient. It's not very efficient. You have lines for bread. Lines. When, whereas... If you go right now in America to eat, to get some bread, there is enough bread for you at the store. There is enough margarine for your tubby lard ass at the store. There's enough chicharrones for you to suck on. And how is that? There's no person sitting in the middle of all the grocery stores, Publix, Whole Foods, Albertsons, and Costco, saying, oh, this is how much shit we need. No! It's all market-driven. It's all moving by the data. They're just saying, okay, this is how much this buys, this is how much this buys, this is how much this happens, this is how much this happens, and they buy it, and that's it. They buy it, and that's it. And right now... I saw on the news, the corporations over-ordered. They over-ordered. And now we have too much. First, we had the supply crunch. And we have too much supply. How does this happen? Regulation capital constraints. First, you regulate the interest rate. Interest rate's low. People buy a shit ton. You raise rates. 
all of a sudden that demand goes bye 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 that's what happens you trying to you try to control that wave it just ain't gonna happen you gotta roll with the way you gotta roll with it I wish I wish our politicians were strong enough to roll with the waves of the market rather than trying to control it because controlling it just doesn't work it literally does not work but lean into the things that do because that is how we will win that is how we will win all right that means making cocaine legal Make that cocaine legal. Let me go to the bodega and fucking buy an eight ball. You know why? So I can get high in peace, bitch! Cocaine. Now that's a hell of a drug. Lee came up with a great idea yesterday. She said, why don't you put on a performance where you just yell and do your shtick on stage for 40 minutes? I think that is a great idea. And if you're listening to this, let me know if you would buy tickets because I think that is amazing. I could be like a motivational speaker, but not really motivating shit. You know what I mean? I could be like the Tony Robbins of DJ and I say, listen up! You wanna make a million dollars? Well, you better start trading those shit coins, baby! Open up that 100x long and keep it open until you get liquidated or until you make that million. All right? Just yelling random shit, man. Random shit. I could do that. I could do that. And the DJs, man, the DJs would love that shit. But, but, this is all a concept. This is all conceptual. I don't know. I don't know. Will they love it? We got to put it to the market. We got to test it. You got to test it in the market. And that skill of testing it in the market is fucking valuable, man. It's fucking valuable. People think it's, it comes from an ego not listening to the market because you think, as an individual, I know best. When really, you don't know best. You really don't know best now. The thing is, when you're just starting with something, you need to have your own opinions on whether that thing will work because you don't have a lot of information. This was actually, I was listening to a conversation. Lex Friedman had one of the people who was on the original iPhone team. And he actually put this idea quite succinctly where you have a lot of opinion-based decisions and you don't have a lot of data decisions because they were building an iPhone. And obviously, the iPhone, when it was first being created, was not based on anything really. It was a new concept and it had a new fundamental idea that it was trying to change. So one, one part of this was the keyboard. So obviously up until then, the BlackBerry, 
was extremely popular and it had that massive physical keyboard, which was a big part of what made it attractive. But Apple, Steve Jobs, wanted to get away from that and say, hey, we are making it an entertainment system, not just a work system. And he was 100% bang on about that, obviously. But at the time, if he was just going with market data and saying, hey, everyone likes you know, the keyboard, we gotta make a phone with a physical keyboard, we would not have an iPhone today. But him tapping in to that opinion and actually putting that out there is what made the revolution. And, and, and that, that is the fine balance between the market, the data, and the opinion. And it's very, very hard to walk that line. But I think that if you're not a fucking genius, leaning into the market is probably a better strategy a lot of the time. It's, it's a lot safer, that's for sure. But, but it's not safer because it's very easy to misinterpret what the market is saying. Because, it, for example, with the iPhone, you could very, the d data, it doesn't have an opinion. It just kind of, it, it is. And you have to make a story on top of it. So if you were looking at the, uh, the, the, the Crackberry and saying, oh, it's got a keyboard. Uh, we got to make a phone with a keyboard. You would be misinterpreting the market because actually the market in this particular scenario, it doesn't even know what it wants unless there is an individual who's able to make that change and then put that change out there and then see the feedback on that change. Another interesting tidbit from that conversation from Le with Lex and uh, the guy who's on the iPhone team, I think, was it Johnny Ive? It was, it was the guy who also founded Nest. I, I don't remember his name. But he, he gave another interesting tidbit, which I think is pretty cool. I don't know why. It's really stuck out in my mind. But basically, the team that was designing the phone, the iPhone, wanted to put plastic as the, on the screen instead of the glass, which obviously ultimately went with the glass. Their reasoning was that the plastic won't break and that it's a little bit easier to put the glass on the screen than to put the plastic on the screen than the glass. But then Mr. Jobs, Steve-O Jobs, came in and said, no, you need to put glass. Why? Because if you have your iPhone in your pocket or in your pocketbook, you got some chains, some keys, rubbing up against that iPhone, plastic is going to scratch. Glass will not. Now, of course, if you drop your phone, plastic won't shatter, but glass will. But this was his point, that if you're using the iPhone as it's meant to be used, putting it in your pocket, putting it in your purse, and then something goes wrong, that is a design issue. But 
if you're using the iPhone in a way where you're not supposed to be using it, draw, aka dropping your phone, then that is not a design issue. And it would be on the customer. So if you drop your iPhone and the glass breaks, that's not Apple's fault necessarily because you dropped the phone. If you just put it in your pocket, walking around, and then it got scratched up, that could be Apple's fault because you're just using it the way that God intended. And that is just a very interesting perspective. I don't think that necessarily has to do with the market as we're talking about, but it's a very interesting perspective, an interesting way to look at products, how to think about products, where you look at the product from the customer standpoint and from the company standpoint, and really balancing those things is super important. Obviously, Steve Jobs, one of the greatest of all time, is is a very in, is a very hard person to uh, copy. He was a master. He's got his own fucking ideas going along. But there's a lot of very there's a lot of wisdom in the way that they created those products, especially the way in which they launched them. Because the way that they launched them, the the keynote, the Apple keynote, was a very important and popular part of the iPhone launch process. And that keynote was not made after the iPhone was done. That keynote was made before the project was started. Because you gotta start with the headline, start with the idea, start with the story, and make something that fits into that story. Don't make something and then make a story around it. So he was practicing that keynote, the first iPhone keynote, for months, even before that iPhone was done. And that, to me, it's a very important and powerful lesson. And it is something to keep in mind, perhaps, if you're making a, a business or you're, even if you're just making a video. For me, let's take it to a video level. If we come up with a title, a competing title, even before the video is out, that could be a benefit. Because, you know, all these days, we're all about the title. People click based on a title. And if you give them that compelling title, maybe they click. Maybe they don't. It's really up to your individual style, but learning from that individual style let's, is, is, is important. You know, let's continue on with some Steve Jobs stories. I grew up not far, not far from Apple. In fact, my dad used to work for Apple back in the day. It wasn't even Apple computers. They were just selling. It was just Apple. They we moved to California so that my dad could work for Apple. And we lived. I grew up in Silicon Valley, and the new Apple headquarters, that round spaceship-looking thing, was probably 15 minutes from where I grew up. And uh, Steve Jobs lived in that vicinity. He had a famously. He had a Mercedes with no license plate. How did he do that? He, he drove around a Mercedes. Look this up. He drove around a Mercedes with no license plate. 
How he accomplished this was by exploiting a loophole. Because if you got a new car, you are allowed for the first six months, this is in California, to drive with no plates because they allow you for a certain amount of time to you know, buy the plate. So what he did, every six months, he'd just get a new car. And, <laughs> and that is how he drove around in his silver Mercedes with no plates. And another Steve Jobs story, I think he had a house that he wanted to demolish in Los Gatos. But for whatever reason, he wasn't, the courts ruled that he could not demolish this house. Perhaps, if I'm remembering correctly, and I may be wrong about this, but the house was deemed historic by the city. And so the city did not allow him to demolish it. They didn't give him the permits. So what Steve-O did, he said, okay, you're not going to let me demolish? I'm going to let nature take care of it. So he opened all the doors and all the windows of this particular property and just left it abandoned. And he said, nature will take care of it. And nature went in there and fucked that house up. (laughs) So... That's kind of a Steve Jobs tangent. But growing up, I, I don't know why I felt... I, I, I did feel some sort of connection to this individual. Maybe because I, I was growing up in Sunnyvale. Not far from where they started. Him, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs in their garage fixing up those computers. I grew up not far from that. And that energy... I think, gets into you. Because me as an individual, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And living in Silicon Valley, I think, fueled that idea in me. And when Steve Jobs died, I was very sad about it. I was sad. I was sad, even though I obviously I never met him. And obviously many people said that he was an asshole but you know the guy was a next level he was a genius he was known he knew things he could see things that other people could not see and he had the drive to make those things happen the drive motivating people to make the things that you think you want to make the, you want to see in the world is an incredibly valuable skill that's how people get to the places where they want to go you got to align people not everything can be done on your own you got to get your people in a row get those people focused on a particular mission and that's how great things get done the iphone the tesla the A-bomb. Whatever it is. You need teams. You need people working together. Individuals are not as strong as the collective. So, that is all for my rant today. I hope that you enjoyed this. Talked about the market. 
talked about Steve-O jobs, talked about things that you may or may not have found interesting. Let me read an ad for my sponsors. There is no sponsors! You know this! Come on! So if you want to sponsor this, please reach out to me. Hit me up and we will make something happen. So, DGen, enjoy the rest of your week. Make that 100x. And as always, stay hard, bitch!